a certain individual once entered the Rebbe's room for a Yechidus. And this individual was not a well-learned person. I'm sorry. Not only was he well-learned, he was also very rich. And he was also very generous. He was involved in many community things. And as a result, he had a little bit of gaiva to him. Implying to everyone that he was well aware of his value and importance. Almost immediately after finishing the echidus with that person, Rebbe informed his gaiva that he would not, he, that he's going to take a break to David Mincha. The gaiva was surprised as there were many people still waiting for the opportunity to have Yechidus. What was he supposed to tell them? But the Gabbai soon realized that he doesn't need to worry about it because the Rebbe added that after Mincha, he would accept the remaining people for Yechidus. However, he was still a little bit uh, confused at the change of schedule because the Rebbe usually would never interrupt uh, Yechidus like this before, it never happened. And all the Hasidim there, both those who already had Yechidus and those who had not yet had their turn, they entered the base Medrash to Davin. The Rebbe entered in, into his Yechidus room, which was right next to the base Medrash, leaving the door open so that he could be part of the minion. So after saying Karbanais, the Chazan started saying Ashrei, and a few short moments later, without knowing why, everyone in the room was suddenly overcome with thoughts of tshuva and charata. And this chassid was no exception. And to everyone's astonishment, this chassid screams out loud. He says, Russia, get away from me. The Rebbe Maharash, who was the one who told us this story, he explained what was going on. Said everyone participating in the minion began to think of all the Avedis that he did from the time he was young all the way till now, to that point. Now these memories had such a powerful impression on them that they all immediately resolved to do tshuva. Now this wealthy chassid, who had always been uh, accompanied by this uh, gaiva feeling of self-importance, started to think about his entire life as well. As he remembered some of his Avedis that he did when he was younger, he was so overcome with charata, with regret, that he shouted at his Yetzirah to leave him. So the question is, the Rebbe Rashab was saying, what taka caused everyone to suddenly remember all their Avedis on a regular weekday mincha, inspiring them all to do tshuva? And he said, because at that very moment, my father, the Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash, was saying in Ashrei, Zecher Rav Tuvcha, to remember your great goodness. And he started to think about certain kavanis connected to that Pasuk. And these kavanis gave even the most toughest guys over there such feelings that they couldn't help but change. So we see that not only did he, sometimes he used, the Rebbe Marash used the ruchniest ways to get people to change, not just like speaking to them. The Rebbe Maharash, this next story is very famous because it's a story that the Rebbe said in Basi Lagani about the Rebbe Maharash. However, when the Rebbe says the story in Basi Lagani, 
the Rebbe says the whole thing in, in two lines, right? Obviously, the story is way bigger than that. And we're going to go through all the details of that story now. So the Rebbe Maharaj would travel very often. And while everyone thought it was just for health reasons, a lot of times there was a, that was like the, the side reason. The real reason was something more important. How do we know this? Because traveling Bechlau was very painful for the Rebbe Maharaj. And if it was only for health benefits, it probably would have been better for him to stay in Lubavitch and get doctors to come to him. Or at least find a place that's closer. Um, so we know, for example, when he was a child, he had a very slow metabolism, causing him to... Like, like that makes, it makes it very hard to lose weight. Meaning even if you eat very, very little, you could still be getting fat. And as a result, there were... He became so large that the, 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 the flesh was like in folds. Basically, instead of it being straight, it was like hanging over. Now, the problem is, in the spaces where it was hanging over, the skin would, would, would uh, like start to crack open. And this, he lived like this his whole life. And any time he moved, it caused him pain. And if he moved in certain ways, it caused him more pain than, than other times. For, for example, the Rambam says that you should turn over during the night, you should go to sleep on your left side and wake up on your right side, right? Which means that during the night you should turn around. But for the Rebbe Maharash, it was so painful for him to do that, to turn over in bed, that he would instead go wash Negovasar, stand, it was easier for him to get out of bed and go to the other side of the bed to do that than to actually turn around in bed. So, traveling in a, in a coach, in a wagon, Along bumpy roads, you know, you're constantly being bounced around. It's very painful for anyone. Now, you can imagine how painful it must have been for the Rebbe Maharaj. And, and Take, when his son, the Rebbe Rashab, got married, the, the wedding was in Avruch, right? He married the daughter of Rebbe Yitzchak of Avruch. He didn't go to the wedding. It was too painful for him. And, and the wedding of his older son, his, the older son, Rebbe Zalmanar and the Razor, was supposed to be in Niezhin, which is where the Kala was from, when they realized that celebrating it in Niezhin meant that the Rebbe Marash would not be able to attend the wedding, so they moved the wedding to Lubavitch. But we'll see by the Rebbe Rashab that the Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak did not allow it to be moved to Lubavitch. Anyway, so, so the, in order to cushion the, the, the coach to make it a little easier for the Rebbe Marash, all the walls of the Marash's wagon were padded, like they had pads on the side to like that you don't bump into wood and stuff like that. Um, so obviously, when the Rebbe Maharaj was journeying to these faraway locations, it wasn't just for health because if he couldn't go to his son's wedding, obviously, you know, there must have been something else going on. And sometimes we know he would go on a very long trip just for saving a single yid. And the Rebbe's self-sacrifice when he made these trips involved an additional thing as well. So as a rule, the Rebbe Maharash would try to accomplish things in the shortest amount of time possible because he tried to always, every single second was precious to him. But as we're going to see in the following story, that the Rebbe traveled to Paris and back, which is a, a two-day journey each way by train, mostly by train, just to help this one yid. Once, and this is a story, once the Rebbe Maharash traveled to Paris, when he arrived, he instructed his two nephews who were accompanying him 
to take him to the Alexander Hotel, which was known as the most expensive hotel in the area. And they go into the lobby and he asks the hotel, the guy in charge over there, the clerk, says, I want the luxury suite, like the most expensive room there. So the most expensive room in the most expensive hotel, you can imagine what it costs. And he specified that he, that he wanted one of the suites used by the, by the Hasheva people, the nobility, located on the same floor as the casino, where people would gamble and betting and stuff like that. And the hotel gave the Rebbe a three-room suite, one room for his personal use, like sleeping, and the other two was to meet with people. And the Rebbe paid the large sum of 300 francs. Um, originally, the Rebbe was offered a room that was 200 francs per day, but he turned it down. He says, I want the more hush of a room. Uh, the Rebbe was accompanied by, we said his two nephews, so there was Reb Manish Monason and Reb Yeshaya Berlin. However, although they were both very successful businessmen, they were not ready to spend so much money on a room for themselves. So instead, they paid for, I mean, they, the Rebbe got his room, but then they went and stayed in a much uh, cheaper hotel. Anyways, a few hours after he settled in his room, the Rebbe walks out and goes into the casino. Now, in general, a casino is not a place for any normal person to go. It's, it's full of things that, that any normal person shouldn't see. For sure, a yid and an achas kama vakama, a frum yid shouldn't be going into a casino. Could you imagine the Rebbe walking into a casino? And he approaches a young man who's just sitting there playing cards and sipping from some wine from a cup that was in front of him. And the Rebbe taps him on the shoulder and says, Younger man, young man, it's forbidden to drink yayin nesach, right? Wine that was handled by a guy. He then added, yayin nesach obstructs, it blocks a yid's ability of his mind and his heart. You should behave like a yid. Good night. And saying that, the Rebbe walks right out of the casino. And as soon as he left the room, he looked for the closest chair that he could sit down on and get, get himself back together. He, he was so emotionally exhausted from this encounter that he didn't even have the strength to walk the short distance down the hall to his room where he was staying. His nephew, Rabbi Shai Berlin, later said that he had never seen his uncle, the Rebbe, as emotionally exhausted as he saw him then. Anyways, unbeknownst to the, to, to the Rebbe Maharash, the chair that he sat down on was like, today we would call an elevator. Back then they had this thing, you would sit in this chair. Basically, instead of climbing steps, the guests just had to sit on this chair and all of a sudden four big guys would pop up and they would pick up the chair and carry the person up the steps. Right, remember, this is a very fancy, expensive hotel. Um, so as soon as the Rebbe sits down on the chair, four strong men approach him, and they just pick up the chair, say, where do you want to go? We'll, we'll bring you there. And realizing what they wanted to do, the Rebbe apologized for the misunderstanding. Like, like I don't have to go any up, up any steps. He said, my room is on the floor. You don't have to carry me there. I'm just exhausted, and if, uh, I'll get up in a few moments and return to my room. A few hours after the Rebbe returned to his room, this young man that the Rebbe spoke to in the casino uh, goes out of the casino, and he approaches the, the clerk of the hotel, the guy in charge of the rooms, and describes the Rebbe's appearance to him. I don't know how you could confuse the Rebbe with anybody else. 
And he asked him where I could find him. And the clerk told him the Rebbe's room number. And the man goes over, he knocks on the door. The Rebbe opens the door and lets him in. And they started to talk for a while. The following morning, the Rebbe left Paris to return to Lubavitch. And during the trip home, he informed his two nephews who joined him on the trip why he made the journey. He said, the person with whom I had a conversation with last night has an extremely holy neshama. But he stumbled and he fell. and He does a virus now. So I traveled to Paris for the sole purpose of helping him do tshuva. And Taka, the Rebbe's words, spoken from the depths of his heart, entered this young man's heart. And he and his family became Bali tshuva. And they became respected members of the Jewish community in Paris. However, it would be wrong to think that the Rebbe Marash worked hard on himself only for individuals with special neshamas. Oh, why did he travel so far? To help that year with a special neshama. We're going to see from the next story that he worked also for every single year that he met, that he was able to help. This was a, it was an evening designated for Yechidus. And many Yidin from near and far came to Lubavish just for the opportunity to speak to the Rebbe privately, telling all the problems. After an hour or so, the Rebbe told his Gabbai that there would now be a short break. He has to change into a fresh set of clothing. And the Gabbai's thinking, wow, the, the last person must have discussed a very serious problem with the Rebbe to make him sweat so much that he feels that he needs to change his clothes. Another hour passed. Same thing repeats itself. The Rebbe says, sorry, I have to change my clothes. And the Gabbai is going like, what's going on here? And, and he, he looked at the Rebbe's clothing. The Rebbe's clothing was soaked in sweat. And it wasn't like he was exercising or it was hot. It wasn't, it wasn't a hot evening, Bukhlal. And speaking to himself, he's muttering, he says, why does he sweat and work himself so much? What is it about Yechidus that requires so much effort that his clothes are soaked in sweat? And the Rebbe sends his thoughts and he said, you don't understand what Yechidus is. Yechidus is not about listening to someone's question and giving him advice or encouragement or guidance or a bracha. When a person asks me a question, I need to understand it from that person's perspective. So, I have to leave my own situation and I have to ke'ilu, clothe myself in his situation. Now, in order to, to understand what his problem is. Now, in order to answer him, I have to put back on the clothes of the Rebbe in, in Ruchni's way. And every time I do this, it takes energy. It's like... You change clothes, change back, change clothes, change back. So in the past hour, I met 20 people, which means I changed back and forth 20 times. Did you ever attempt to change your garments 40 times in one hour? Wouldn't that exhaust you as well? Now imagine what it means to change not just your actual clothing, but your mind, your emotions, your ruchniestika garments. How much more energy that would take? And we will end over here.